First John chapter number four. Uh, we learned last week that uh, at the at the basis or the foundation or the source of somebody being eternally secure, or someone knowing that they have uh, eternal salvation, somebody having confidence, if you will, that they are one of God's children, and, and this confidence leads to. This confidence, knowing that we are one of God's children, leads us into great service to the king. It leads us into to bold service for the king. It, le- it leads us into um, almost being, uh, you know, the idea of bravery in life, be- being able to reach out and do some things that are perhaps a little bit on the fearful side, knowing that we are children of God and, and he will never not be with us, right? And that's really a, a foundation to being able to do the things that the culture says are, are out of you know, out of sorts, or, you know, don't go down that path, you'll fail. We're able to go down that path because we know that the Lord has us. And I think it was John Piper who said that, that believers ought to be the most daring people in the world. And his, his emphasis was not on foolish daring, being foolishly daring, but, but for the Lord. And being willing to do things and go places that other people would not do or go because they don't have the Lord with them. We, we learned last week that the foundation of that is the Holy Spirit of God. The presence of God's Spirit in an individual's life is what brings about that confirmation. And, and as we see the fruits of the Spirit working in us and working through us, and we, we, we know that His presence is with us, we gain that boldness. Someone who doesn't have the presence of God in their life or the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life will not have the same confidence. Not, not to say that a person who does not have the Spirit of God will not will not find themselves obeying a list of rules and regulations. Will not even, it's not to say that someone who doesn't have the Spirit will not try to submit themselves to all of God's commands. But the difference is, is somebody who tries to submit to the, themselves to God's commands without the Spirit of God living within them will always fail, number one, and will always be miserable doing it. And that's the idea of the Pharisees, is they, they sought to obey a list of rules and regulations, but there was nothing inside of them. The Spirit of God didn't live within them, and therefore it was a miserable list of rules and regulations. And maybe you're here with us this morning, and maybe you find yourself in that boat where you try to please God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You work at it, and you try to do all of the right things, but you just always feel like you're failing. It's possible that what is lacking in your efforts to please God is the Spirit of God inside of you. We need to know this. If you're a Christian this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are pleasing to God no matter what. Amen? Because your being pleasing to God has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. Your being pleasing to God has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for you, right? So I never have to worry about not being pleasing to God because I am pleasing to God based upon, I tell my kids, my kids tell me, Dad, you're not happy with me right now. And, and they, we have this little debate back and forth because they did something wrong and Dad kind of got on them and they're like, Dad, you're not happy. You don't love me like you should or whatever the case might be. And they're going to be really mad at me when I get home this morning so I could have a place to stay tonight. That'd be nice. But I always tell them, you know what, guys, my, my favor, my pleasure towards you, my love towards you is not based upon what you do at all. It's based upon who you are. You are my child. I will never not be satisfied with you. I will never not love you. But in this moment, I want to help you. 
The Lord is that same way. He gives us his spirit to live within us, and, that, and the Holy Spirit lives within us, and he confirms who we are. And who we are, the fact that we are God's children, is what determines whether or not we're pleasing in his sight. And Jesus Christ satisfied all of God's anger, all of God's frustration towards those who believe. Right? So we never have to worry about God not being pleased with us because we have his spirit living with us. What God does do is he disciples us, he disciplines us, he, he helps us through life so that we, we do the right things, we go the right direction. So we learned last week that the key to knowing for sure that you're one of God's children is, is that his spirit lives within you. And his spirit not only lives within you, but, but he works through you. We, we looked at some of the fruits of the spirit if you've, ever, if you've ever been in a situation before where you begin to see things coming out of you that weren't normal, um, like kindness, right? Forgiveness. Maybe you're one of those people that just has a really hard time forgiving, and all of a sudden you're just, you forgive somebody. Maybe you have a hard time with anger, and all of a sudden you're not angry with somebody anymore, but you want to show kindness to them. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And these are things that the Spirit of God works through us, and they confirm for us that we are the children of God. So the Spirit of God within us is what confirms that we are His children. I wrote down these four things. If, you, if you're taking notes, these would be healthy to know. Okay, Four ways in which the Holy Spirit of God confirms for us that we are His children. Number one is found in Romans 8.14. The Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So the first way is that they are led by God's Spirit. As long as the Spirit is leading us, He's guiding us, He's directing us, then we can be sure that we are His children. Number two is just two verses later in verse 16 of Romans 8, and that is that we have fellowship with the Spirit of God. Our Spirit and His Spirit are communing together. Okay, There's communion there. And the Bible talks about in Revelation 3 that we commune with God. We have this, we have this fellowship. We have, we, have, we have harmony with the Spirit of God who is within us. You know that this is a battle for some of us because some of us, the Spirit of God is constantly in conflict with us, or we're constantly wrestling with the Spirit of God, right? There's this constant battle with the Spirit of God. For those who are, for those who are Christians, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is within us, and he's always, he's always claiming to us, consistently claiming to us that you are one of God's children. As a matter of fact, that the Spirit of God comes to live within you, and the Bible says that he is screaming, he is pronouncing constantly, Abba, Father, Right? Daddy, Father. He's always proclaiming that inside of us, in our hearts. You are God's child. You are God's child. You, we need to remind, be reminded of that, don't we? We need to be reminded of that. You are God's child. You are God's child. You, you are God's child. You are God's child. And tomorrow when you wake up and it's Monday morning, right, and you don't want to go to work and you don't want to get out of the bed and you don't want to do anything, and then you're like, you are God's child. You are God's child. You are God's child. Right, and that, that person that you go and you meet at work that's always you all you you can't stand seeing them right, and you're not looking forward to being there around them for that day of work, and you walk in and there they are you you are God's child you are God's child, right, and you're reminded of this constantly it's just coming through you the spirit of God is confirming in you and then by confirming that in you you're like okay I have a purpose that's bigger than that person it's bigger than that bed it's bigger than my fluffy pillow I have a purpose in life that is related to the fact that I am that I am God's child 
So what the Spirit of God is constantly doing is he's just confirming for us. He's, he's screaming, Abba, Father, in us. Because we need to be reminded of that. I, I would say this, folks. One of the greatest, one of the greatest hindrances to people living out the Christian life, living in the power of the Spirit of God, living the victorious Christian life, is they're not mindful of who they are. They haven't come to realize that that they are God's child. And that by being God's child, there's complete safety, there's complete confidence, there's complete boldness, because he's always there to, he's always there to be with us, isn't he? Man, if we, if we could just solidify this truth, right, then we, we could be something for the Lord. So he, he fellowships with us. And then Galatians 4 and verse 6, he communicates to us. And I just quoted to you about there, he comes in our hearts, he cries, Abba, Father. It's the idea of communicating with us. He talks to us. And then in Galatians 5 and verse 22 and 23, he, um, he's fruitful through us. These are four things that we can see in our lives, we can experience to know that the presence of God is, is in us. Now, in chapter number four, here's what John's going to introduce, okay? He's going to introduce a danger. The danger is, is that there is such a thing as a counterfeit Holy Spirit. In other words, the devil is going to mimic the things that the Holy Spirit does, the devil is going to counterfeit those things, and he's going to try to get your attention, okay, so that he can draw you away from the Spirit of God, if you're truly a Christian, get you to listen to the, to the Spirit, the Bible calls it here, the Spirit of the Antichrist, or the Spirit of false teachers, false prophets, all right? There is a, there is a counterfeit spirit that is working to keep us from hearing the Holy Spirit, and that's who we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this warning that Paul gives in the first six verses of chapter number four about this counterfeit spirit. How can we know, how can you know this morning that that, that that spirit inside of you that's saying you are the child of God, you are the child of God, you are the child of God, how can you know that that's from God? Does that make sense? Think about it with me for a moment. There are a lot of ministries today that have all of these wonderful services, right? And they do all of these amazing things, and they say, this is from the Spirit of God. And when we look at those things and we compare those things to the Word of God, we think, you know what? Maybe that's not the Spirit of God. Right? We have people that are writing books and saying, well, God said this to me, right? And, we, and, and it was inspired by God's Spirit. He said this to me, so therefore it must be from the Spirit of God. And you take that thing and you compare it to the Word of God, and you're like, I don't know. That possibly could not be the Spirit of God. This is what's happening in our culture today. This is what's happening in our world, our religious world. Everybody is looking for an experience, Right? We live in a, what I would call a very spiritual culture. Everybody is looking for something spiritual. The problem is, is we have the Spirit of God, which is true and real and, and uh, assuring, and we also have the Spirit of the Antichrist, which is doing everything he can to mimic. Remember, the devil said in Isaiah that I will be like the Most High God, Right? So the devil isn't going to be over here in these extreme things. What the devil is going to be is he's going to be as close to the real thing as possible without being the real thing. Right? Genesis, when Satan came to Eve in the garden, he didn't tell her a whole new story, did he? 
He told her the same story, he just altered it a very little bit. Because that is how the devil works. So what we want to discover from the Word of God is how do we know, how do we know if we're hearing God's Spirit or if we're hearing something that is actually the spirit of the devil or the spirit of the Antichrist or a false spirit? Let me read a couple of verses to you in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15. The Bible says, And such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And then Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, the Bible says that false prophets will arise and they'll perform deceiving signs and wonders and miracles. Okay? It's the same, it's the same idea, it's the same picture. So, as in Matthew 24, 24, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, right? I, I, there's two words in that verse that just really bring a lot of comfort to my heart, and that is, if possible. Amen? Because it's not possible. The chosen of the Lord cannot be led astray. It doesn't mean that John does not write a very stern warning in this text about that. He'd say, well, if it's not possible that we could be led astray, then why would John even give any time to the idea of being led astray? Because it's a real battle. It's a real thing. We have to be, ca- we have to be cautious of it, conscious of the battle that is there, and on guard, um, on guard through it. We always want to remember that the Lord did not only ordain the end, right? But he also ordained the the means. God is not only in control of the end, but he's also in the control of the means. So let's read together, if you will, 1 John 4. The Bible says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, okay? But test the spirits or try the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into this world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in this world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I want to give you four or five things this morning. If you'll follow along with me, I'm going to go somewhat fast. I'm going to try to get through them, but if I don't, I don't, okay? And uh, I pray that there will be a blessing to you more than anything else. So there are two perceptions okay, mentioned here in the text. John makes a, a very important um, directional comment at the very beginning of the text when he, when he speaks to them in the ter- with the term beloved. Okay, this term implies um, 
those who are loved in a special way or, or chosen or select or favorite. John is writing to a very, very specific group of people. He's not just writing to anyone. He's writing to a very, very distinct group of people. He's writing to those who are um, regenerate. And that was my, my first thought under two pers- perspectives is the regenerate perspective. John addresses the regenerate people, those who are children of God. The reason why John addresses those who are children of God or those who are special or his favorites is that what John knows is is that an unbeliever, an unregenerate person is not capable of the discernment that John is about to call people to. Okay, so he writes to a specific group of people because everyone else is not capable of discerning the way that God's children are capable of discerning. It doesn't mean that we don't have to be on guard. It doesn't mean that we don't have to be studying and, and learning God's word and being equipping ourselves to be discerning. But what it does mean is, is that we are capable, as the beloved of God, we are capable of being discerning. You have been given, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, it says... I'm going to read it to you. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, however, judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." In other words, we have discernment. We've been given the gift of discernment when we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. All things necessary for the Christian life, all things necessary for salvation came packaged in a person. Okay, You can imagine that the Holy Spirit is like a, 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 a present, the packaging of a present, and everything inside of that package is everything necessary for Salvation and for sanctification and for glorification. We get the Spirit of God. We get everything that we need for the Christian life, right? So we've been given the gift of discernment. What John is saying is now, beloved, act on that gift. Use that gift. Utilize that gift. Because it is a blessing to those who are born again. If you're born again this morning, you have the Spirit of God living within you, you should be able to tell the difference between right and wrong. doesn't mean that you're always going to make the right choice. Amen? Amen? It does mean that you have the ability. You've been given the Spirit of God. You have the ability to make the right decisions. That is the regenerate group. Then there is the rebellious group. Put down the rebellious perspective. And these are people who are not capable of understanding. These are the unregenerate, those who are not capable of understanding right from wrong. Romans 8 and verse 7, the Bible says, For the mind that is set on the flesh, or the mind that is worldly, is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to the will of God or the law of God, nor indeed can it. It does not have the ability to submit to God's law, to God's will. To God's work. He doesn't have any discernment. So we have two perspectives, number one. Number two, two possibilities, okay? So remember this. In the context of Scripture here, you have the idea of spirit. It comes from the Greek word pneuma, and the idea of it is, is um, the word literally means wind. You have it actually interpreted or translated several times in the New Testament, the idea of wind. In John chapter number three and verse eight, the Bible talks about the wind blows where it wants to, and the idea is the spirit blows where it wants to, okay? So 
In the same way, okay, in the same way that you guys, we hear the wind, right? We lived in Nebraska, so you hear the wind in Nebraska. And you feel it, and you plant your feet and hope that it doesn't blow you away, right? And it's not, maybe it's not so bad here, but you can hear the wind. I was walking by one of our registers in our house yesterday, and I heard the heat kick on, right? And I heard the wind come out of there. I heard it. Now, here's what's taking place in the text of Scripture. What the Lord is talking about is that spirit is like the wind, and that, and that like you hear the wind, you hear things, don't you? You hear things, right? You hear it going throughout your day. You may not consciously, nobody might, people might not be there saying things to you, but here's what he's talking about. There are people who are false teachers, right? So there are actually physical bodies, false teachers. They could walk up to you and say, hi, my name is Steve, right? Then there are spiritual false teachers. These are messages that enter into our thinking like the wind blowing by that we hear. We hear something and the spirit manipulates what we hear and it enters into our mind as a false message. Okay? Have you, have you ever talked to two people and told them the same story and they heard the complete opposite thing? Right? You know what that is? That's the spirit. There's a spirit that's working in both of those individuals that is speaking to them. You know, you've, you've, you've seen the picture of the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other shoulder, right? You know, that's speaking into the ear and feeding information into that person's mind. That's what we're seeing here. There is a, the spirit of God, and then there is the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of a false teacher, the spirit of the devil. And what they're doing is, is they're speaking into our life. They're speaking into our world. They're breathing messages. The Bible tells us in, um, in uh, um, 2 Timothy 3, when it talks about the word of God is is inspired by God, right? The, uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? That terminology there is the same thing as God, it's wind. It's the same idea. God breathed it as if, as wind. It's the same, actually, it is the same, it, is, it includes the same Greek term that we get for wind, the message that comes, that we hear in our hearts, in our minds, that something, maybe not a person, but something has spoken it to us. That's the spirit. There's a spirit realm. Ephesians 6, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, I'm going to just paraphrase here. Ron said I could, right? <laughs> we wrestle against Spiritual things, don't we? That's the battle that we're in. We're wrestling against spiritual things. There's two possibilities. The Bible says number one is the spirit of error. And I'm just going to give you some things about each one of these. The spirit of error is also referred to in this text in several, with several different terms. It's called a false prophet. And which means a pseudo, the, the Greek word is pseudo prophetes, which means somebody that is a pretender or an, an imposter or a fake. So a false prophet 
would be somebody that would be, and, and again, remember this, this is not a false prophet standing in front of you. They're, they're easy to fight, aren't they? This is a voice that is speaking to you that you can't see or hear. It is a spirit that is trying to deceive you into thinking wrong. It's the spirit of error, the spirit of deception, the spirit of delusion. It's called the spirit of the Antichrist here in our text as well. If you go back to chapter number 2, it's called the spirit of the Antichrist. We also learn this about the spirit of error. It is in the world, it is of the world, and it is from the world. In, every, in, in other words, everything about this spirit of error is worldly. Everything about the spirit of error is worldly. It tells us in the text that it is the spirit that has been overcome. And obviously, it has been overcome by the Lord Jesus Christ and it is a spirit that is listened to by the world. Okay? In, in other words, it is a spirit that the world accepts and acknowledges. John 8 and 44 calls the devil, the spirit of the devil, he says that he is a deceiver. He is a liar and the father of lies. John 10 tells us that he is, his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us that he performs false signs and wonders. It means that he has power and the ability to do things that would be deceptive. Okay, Think about it for a moment. If you see a miracle taking place on television or wherever it is, isn't there a voice inside of you that either says right or wrong? What is that voice? That's the Spirit. And there's voices that we're always hearing that are determining, deciding, directing where we go in life. And there is the spirit of error. 2 Corinthians 4 says, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's blinding our, their minds. The message, okay? The next one is the spirit of truth. This is just simply something, someone that is factual. Uh, Philippians 4 and 8 says to think on things that are true and honest and pure, and you, you, you know the text. Think on things that are right, that are praiseworthy. This spirit is from God, okay? It is a spirit that is from God. It means it originates from God, the Bible says about this spirit that it is in us. There's one spirit that is in the world. There's another spirit that is inside of you. Okay? And that spirit that is inside of you is the Holy Spirit. Or if you're saved, it is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember this. For a lost person, their spirit is a spirit of error, and the spirit of the world is the spirit of error, and therefore there is no conflict, Right? For a believer, the spirit of the world is a spirit of error. The spirit that is within them is a spirit of truth. And that's where we have the conflict. Is when the world tries to convince us of something that is wrong and we believe what is right. Okay? I, I want to say something to you guys this morning, this church. We, we need to be very, very careful. The devil has deceived us a lot of, of a lot of worldly things. He has. He, he, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. 
He's convinced us of a lot of things that are just absolutely 1,000% worldly, and we've adopted them. And we now live our lives under the bondage of those things, and we, have, we make decisions every day. Do I do, what is full, do, I, do I do what is based upon faith, or do I do what is based upon the flesh? And the, that little demon that whispers into our ear has got us living in the flesh. I, I didn't say living in sin. I said living in the flesh. This means that we don't do what is right. We just do what we want to do. This is the spirit of error that is inundating our culture, inundating the church. The spirit of God is in us, if you're a believer. He's not in the world. He's not of the world. In this sense, he is in you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And then it says that he has overcome the world. The one that is in you has overcome the world. The Bible says in John 8 and, 8 and verse 47, whoever is of God, originated from God, hears the words of God. John 10, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Two voices, two influences in your world today, the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is in you if you're a believer, should be leading you, <clears throat> comforting you, being a fellowship with you, companion with you, and the spirit of the world is, is out there trying to bring forth error. Now, two phases, number three, two phases. The Lord says two things here. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit. And we're just going to stop there. What he says here is literally, stop believing every spirit. Stop believing everything. You know, you've heard it said before. Your, maybe your parents have said this to you. Stop believing everything you hear, right? And it's not, the, the, the context is not just stop believing everything that you hear, but stop believing everything that you see too, Stop believing everything that comes your way. Stop believing everything that comes into your head. 2 Corinthians 10 says in verse 5 that we're to, um, we're to capture every thought that enters into our mind. And we're to compare it to Christ. To see if it's true, if it's real. How many of us in the last year have believed something that wasn't actually true? We believe it often about our mates, don't we? The devil has a good way of destroying your marriage. What he does is he whispers a lie into your ear about your mate. It's not true. And you begin to listen to it and believe it. And then your marriage goes like this. And you stop and say, I don't know how it got there. I'll tell you how it got there. There was a voice that whispered a lie that destroyed your marriage. I do, I do enough marital counseling to, to see Husbands and wives and their perspective of a situation is like this. And I can tell you this, the Spirit of God is not whispering that perspective into their world. The Spirit of error is. We've got to stop believing everything that we hear. We've got to put a stop just because the voice enters into your head doesn't mean what it's saying to you is true. Right? That's what he says. This is the phase that we can, if we can get to this point, 
we can be able to discern the right voice from the wrong voice. Stop believing every voice. 2 Timothy 4 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they will have itching ears, and they will accumulate to themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In other words, they'll want what they they'll get a whole bunch of teachers to tell them what they want to hear. We've got to stop believing everything that we hear. The second thing that he says here in this text is to test it, to try it, to, to prove it. Um, before you believe something and commit to it, put it to the test. Listen, it's, it's, not, it's not the preacher that's the most persuasive. It's not the musical group that's the best performance. It's not these things that should be convincing you of what direction you should go in. It is the Word of God that should be convincing us of what direction that we should go in. It is, it is, it is the discernment that comes from knowing whether or not that thing is from God or whether or not that thing is from error. We have to study, evaluate things, examine them to see if they are of God or if they are of the world or error. Acts 17 and verse 11 talks about the Bereans and says, Now these Jews were more noble than any of, the Thessalon- of those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. The Bible tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder. In, in, in other words, able to discern what is right and what is wrong. We have to be students of God's word. Otherwise, we will believe everything that comes across our table, as he, as he says to stop doing here, everything that we hear or we see without discerning whether or not it's right or wrong. So stop believing everything and start to study or discern what is right and what is wrong. And then he gives us, lastly, two proofs. Two proofs that we are dealing with the spirit of God versus the spirit of error or, the, or a false prophet. Okay, He says this, By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, this word is very, very important and very significant. We see, it, we see it a few times in the book of 1 John and also throughout the New Testament. John says, same word used in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Here's what he's saying. If you're dealing with the Holy Spirit of God, there will be agreement there will be agreement with the Word of God. It, the word literally means to say the same thing as. In other words, if the Spirit that is within you is saying the exact same thing that the Word of God is saying, guess what? It's the Spirit of God. If the Spirit that is, if the voice that you're hearing, if the direction that something and someone is trying to point you in and direct you in, if that spirit is in perfect harmony, is saying the same thing that God's word is saying, you can be confident that it is the spirit of God. Amen? You, you, in order to know that, you have to know the, you have to know the word of God. 
The, the devil has done two great things in our culture today. He has, first of all, taken us away from the Word of God, and secondly, he's given us a very loud voice, and we have no ability to discern whether or not it's right or wrong. Right? We, if we're going to know, if, it's the, if we're going to be discerning enough to know whether or not we're hearing the voice of God or the voice of error, we have to know what God's word says because the spirit of God will always work in perfect harmony with the word of God. As a matter of fact, in, in John 14 through 16, he's called the spirit of truth. The Bible says this, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of things that Jesus already said. So if the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of things that, the Holy, that Jesus Christ has already said, guess what we need to go and find out what Jesus has already said? If the Spirit of God is speaking, if the Spirit that you're hearing is speaking to you and in any way telling you something that would be contrary to the Word of God, know this, it's not the Spirit of God. Let me go one step further. If the Spirit that's talking to you would say something that are extra-biblical, know that it's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God always, without fail, works through and in perfect harmony with the Word of God. You want to hear the Spirit of God? Where do you go? You go to the Word. I have a good friend who has a shirt. He made a shirt. It says, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear him speak out loud, read it out loud. (laughs) Right? If you want to hear the Spirit of God, you need to know what the Word of God says. You might be hearing the Spirit of God, but you'll never know if you are. You'll never know if you are. Because the text implies that in order to know if you're hearing the Spirit of God, in order to be confident that you're hearing the Spirit of God, there must be agreement with that voice with with the Word of God. So is the voice that you're hearing, number one, is the voice that you're hearing agreeing with, God, with what God's word says? Okay, very, very important. Is the voice in agreement with God's word or is it contrary or in addition to God's word? We need to hear this. There's enough modern day speakers out there that are saying the Spirit of God told them this, and the Spirit of God told them this, and the Spirit of God told them this, and they're actually speaking and preaching on a very public scale. And people are sucking it in and taking it in, and they're sitting and they're saying, wow, this is amazing, that God is amazing. And, and there is no confirmation that that is truly from, the, from God. Folks, we should be so cautious. If the devil can be a voice in our ear. If the devil can perform miracles, false and lying and deceptive miracles, we have to be careful that we're dealing with what is of God and not that which is of error, right? So is the voice that you're hearing right now, is it in communion with God? And think about it from this perspective. I use marriages as an example. Does the voice tell you to love your wife as Christ loved the church? Does that the voice you're hearing? Or is the voice telling you something to be bitter at your wife, be angry at your wife? Your wife is not a very kind person. Is that a voice from God? How do you know? No. Okay. That's not a voice from God. It's not. It's not funny. Is your voice saying your wife is a precious treasure? 
that I have blessed you with, son, treasure them as my gift to you. Is that what the voice is saying? You see how you can listen to the voice of error in your daily life and it can guide you down paths that you don't belong. It can destroy you. It can steal from you. It can steal from you. Right? Is that voice in harmony with scriptures? Number two, in regards to two proofs. He says this, confess, confess, agree with the word of God that Jesus Christ has come, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God. Number two is adoration. Is the voice pointing you to Christ? The, if, you, if you study the Spirit of God throughout all of Scripture, what you will find is his main purpose Jesus Christ came into this world to do what? He came into this world to reveal and to submit to the will of the... That's right. The Holy Spirit came into this world to do what? He came into this world to magnify the, the Son. You know what's amazing? We live in this world today to exalt the Spirit. That's why we're here. We're here to live in the fruits of the... Does the voice that you're hearing in your head point you to Jesus or does it drive you away from Jesus? Does it cause you to see Jesus as magnificent or does it cause you to see Jesus as insignificant? The voice that comes from God will be in agreement with the word of God and the voice that comes from God will always motivate adoration for God, for Jesus Christ. will always exalt Christ. The Spirit of God is always seeking to exalt the Son of God. So when you hear that voice, ask yourself the question, is what I'm hearing, is it making me see Jesus? It's amazing how the Spirit of God it's amazing how the Spirit of God makes us see our problems, right? Sees a massive problem. Man, the Spirit of God was telling me today how big my problems are. No, that wasn't the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will tell you how small your problems are and how big your Savior is. The Bible tells us, and I close with this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. The Bible says, we destroy every argument or every imagination, every lofty opinion that raises up itself against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive, every thought that enters into our mind, we capture it, and we make sure that it is in submission to, to Christ. Let me ask you something. What voice are you hearing today? Do you hear the voice of God? Or are you hearing and listening to and giving credit to the voice of error. Father, we thank you so much for a pattern, if you will, to know, Lord God, when to, how to discern what is right and wrong when we're being guided by the flesh, when we're being guided by 
the, the spirit of error, the, the Antichrist spirit, or when we're being guided by your spirit who lives within us. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to be sensitive to these things, to take what we've learned this morning from your word seriously, to seek to know you through your word, um, to, to, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within us as he guides us and directs us. And ultimately, Lord God, that we might glorify you in it. We'll give you the thanks and the praise for it all in Christ's name.